Having your Bibles this morning, Ruth chapter number one, the book of Ruth chapter number one. We trust that you'll be back this evening for the evening service and then uh, Monday through Friday. Looking forward to seeing what God will do. We hope you'll bring friends, loved ones, enemies, anybody that you can to the house of God. It's good to get under the preaching of the Word of God. Could I say this? Preaching will not hurt you. Preaching will help you. Some of the best times in my life was when I was under the preaching of the Word of God and God began to speak to my heart. Now, I have to admit, sometimes preaching gets a little rough. But uh, my, if we allow the Word of God to change our lives, God's trying to mold us and make us into what will be pleasing in His sight. Ruth chapter number 1. Many of you that might not know us, we are the Aguiar family. We... Uh, have spent almost 12 years helping small struggling churches in America, and uh, God's been good to us. Throughout the week, I'll be sharing with you a few of the things that we've done, a few of the places that we've gone to. Uh, We minister and help churches at no cost whatsoever. We go in working with churches, and the Lord's been good. We do not charge churches. Some of the churches we help only have a few folks in them, maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 maybe even 30, 35 folks, but we uh, help churches, trying to be a blessing. There's a lot of different needs that a church has. A lot of times folks try to pinpoint one particular thing on a church, but could I say every church is a little bit different, and every church has a different need. And throughout the week we'll be sharing with you some of the things that we've done and uh, some of the places we've been trying to be a help, a blessing, and encouragement to small, struggling churches. I had a person one time say, Brother Aguiar, do you believe what you're doing? Do you believe it to be biblical? Well, that's a good thought because I believe we need to work in the, with the Word of God and whatever we do in our life, it needs to be found from the Word of God. Could I just quote to you Romans chapter 15 and verse 25? You may have seen it on our trailer outside. Paul says, But I now go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. God has called us to minister unto the saints here in the United States of America, and we thank God for the ministry. But we'll be sharing with you more tonight and throughout the week. Ruth chapter 1, stand with me as we honor the Lord this morning in our reading. Ruth chapter number 1, I'm drawing your attention in verse number 1, very familiar passage of Scripture to many folks. But in verse number 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land of uh, famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chalion, Ephraimites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died both, uh, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. 
Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return unto thee, unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet more sons in my womb? They may be your husbands. Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Will ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept and, and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth claved unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister has gone back unto her people, and unto her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following thee. From following after thee, for whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that you'll bless in the services this morning. I pray you'll give liberty as we preach the message of the Word of God. Father, this morning we admit that we need you in our service. Father, I pray that you'll bless every person that can hear my voice this morning. And Lord, if there might be one here, they've never been saved. I pray they'll come to know Jesus this morning. Lord, there might be some, and maybe they're engulfed in religion, but they've never been saved. Father, I pray this morning that they might junk religion and come to know Jesus this morning. Bless, and Lord, work in the lives of Christians this morning as we look in the Word of God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. I'd like to preach on this subject and ask you the question, is it worth going to Moab? A very interesting passage of Scripture, but I ask you this morning, is it worth going to Moab? Here in this passage, we notice a man by the name of Elimelech had a wife and two sons, and for some reason he took off to the land of Moab. I often think about this uh, uh, particular story found in the Word of God, and I often begin to wonder why would a person that's living in the things of God, living for the Lord, why would he want to take off and go to the land of Moab? Could I say the word Elimelech means, my God is King? If I could think for just a moment about the word itself, my God is king, I would have to admit that Elimelech probably was found faithful to the things of God. He would probably, if there was a church back then, in that sense, he would be found every time the doors was open because my God is king. Could I say this this morning? If God is king in your life, you would also be found faithful in the house of God. Elimelech's name meant my God is king. He was probably found faithful with his family. He was probably found faithful with the things of God. He was probably found faithful in his tithing. He was probably found faithful with living a life pleasing to God. You say, why? Because his name meant my God is king. But here in this passage of Scripture, we find that a person, I believe that loved God, a person that was doing the things of God, begins to get the wrong desires and he goes to a place he ought not to go. The land of Bethlehem, Judah, is known as the house of bread. 
I like going into a church house every now and then. And oh, it's such a blessing when you get under the preaching of the Word of God. And boy, the preacher begins to open up the Word of God and it seems like bread for you. And boy, you get hungry. And boy, he just keeps feeding you and feeding you. And boy, what a great time when we get around the bread of the Word of God. We're able to feast on the riches. We're feasting on the glory of God. Oh, it's such a blessing that Bethlehem Judah was known as the house of bread. Moab was known as God's wash pot. Now think with me, why would a person that had God as king, why would he go from the land of bread unto the place called God's wash pot or the place of Moab? Well, I begin to notice some things here. I could imagine one day, uh, here it is, uh, Elimelech began to have some dreams of the land of Moab. Just imagine with me, as he begins to think of another land, I begin to think, uh, how did he find out about that other land? I think of different ones that have been serving the Lord. And now when I ask about those different ones, we go into churches and we go back to certain churches. And I remember some folks' names are different ones. And I say, well, what happened to this brother? And Well, he's not serving the Lord anymore. What happened to this person? Well, he's no longer in church. What happened to this person? And and it's amazing to me how many folks that are found in a good independent Baptist church today are living for the devil. Could it be because of the dreams of Moab? You know, I begin to think for just a moment, we see the outward appearance of each one of us. We've come to church, we've looked pretty decent, we're carrying the right Bible, but deep down there's something that no one sees, and that's the dreams that's found in your mind. There's something that I cannot see today. I might see the clothing you have on. I might see the haircut that you have. I might see the Bible that you're carrying. But I cannot see your mind. I cannot see the dreams. And I believe even though Elimelech was found faithful, there was a problem. The dreams of Moab was in his life. I often wondered, where do those dreams come from? Have you ever wondered why would a person dream of the land of Moab? Could it be maybe because of some false advertisement that has taken place? America is filled with a lot of false advertisement. You say, I don't believe that. Well, every now and then folks will go ahead and drive down the road and you see these billboards up on the highway. And boy, they got a nice-looking young man or a nice-looking young lady, and here it is, they have maybe a pack of cigarettes or, or maybe some alcohol. And boy, they say they begin to make the different sayings, and, and it seems so nice. Oh, he's riding a horse. Oh, she looks so attractive. And boy, if I could just get involved with what they're involved in, I would look attractive. I would have a, a nice horse. I'll have a nice place. I would look muscular. I would look great. And boy, the advertisement, but could I say that's a false advertisement. If you could get the truth of that alcohol, you'll find out there's a lot of children today. They haven't even ate breakfast. They will not eat lunch. They will not eat supper. You say, why? Because of that alcohol. You'll find a lot of folks. There it is, those little children found in the orphan's home. You say, why? Because of a false advertisement. Mom and dad went ahead and they drank that bottle. And today they're dead and they're with, uh, those children are without a mom and a dad. You say, why? Because of false advertisement. As you go farther down towards the southern area. There in Louisiana, Alabama, around Florida, you'll find the casinos. 
And boy, they go ahead and the lights are flashing. We was driving one time uh, for somewhere in Illinois. And as we was driving in Illinois, we began to get closer. And I began to notice these bright lights. I mean bright lights. We was probably about 10, 12 miles. And boy, it just seemed like the whole thing was lit up. And boy, we began to get closer. I was wondering, what is it? Is there a fire going on? What's these bright lights for? And boy, here it is in the darkness of night. We began to get closer and closer and come to find out it was a casino. Start to think with me for just a moment. And people have went ahead and they've worked hard throughout the week. And now here they're going to take their paycheck. They go down and they begin to gamble their money. They begin to go ahead and take the bets. They begin to pull pull the uh, uh, machine. They begin to do all these different things, hoping and maybe looking forward to some false advertisement that has been advertised. And boy, they spend everything. They have no time for God. They have no time for the things of the Lord. They have no time for their family. You say, why? Because they've wasted everything there on that casino. False advertisement. Maybe it would be better as if the advertisements were all truthful. When they show the tobacco and show the cancer wards. When they show the alcohol and show the funeral homes. When they go ahead and show the casinos and find people totally broke. Maybe it would be better if they showed the true advertisement. But somewhere, here it is, maybe Elimelech, he, he went ahead and heard it on the radio. Maybe he watched it on a television. Maybe he saw it on a billboard. But somehow, Elimelech went ahead and he had that desire to go to the land of Moab, a place of false advertisement, a place that was failing with their advertisement, and a place that will go ahead and it's nothing but a fake. It robbed them completely of the things of God. And I want you to know something. The things of this world will rob you spiritually. You go ahead and turn on that television. You go ahead and look at the magazine. You go ahead and take those billboards for heart. I want you to know it will rob you of some great things in your life that God has planned. Here we notice the dreams of Moab. But in verse number 2, notice the departing of the land of Moab. Imagine as he went and told Naomi, Naomi, we need to pack up. Well, honey, why do we need to pack up? He says, I got a better job situation, I think, and it's going to work out. Right now, we're having some rough times. Could I say this? Christians sometimes have rough times. There are times in your life when the trials begin to fall on you. There are times in your life when it gets rough and it gets hard. There are some heartaches. But I want you to know it's better to go through the trials with the Lord Jesus Christ than to get over into a land and here it is outside the will of God. But he said, honey, pack up. We're going to the land of Moab. And the Bible mentions that they went ahead and they departed from Bethlehem, Judah, And they came into the country of Moab and lodged there. I realize the false advertisements was there, but I also realize one of the reasons that they may have went was because of the verse right before Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 there in the book of Judges. And there, if you notice in chapter number 21 and verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I've talked to many folks, they say, well, I'm doing what's right in my opinion. Has it ever dawned on you what might be so right in your eyes might be yet so wrong in the eyes of God? 
as the 70s came in, and here it is, the Supreme Court met together, and they brought it forth, and they said it is now legal, and it is all right. Nobody will be uh, punished in any way to go ahead and take the baby that's found in the womb of the mother and to literally murder that baby. They said it was legal. They said it was right. But I say this morning, what seems so right in the Supreme Court's eyes is yet so wrong in the eyes of God. Has it ever dawned on you that what might seem right for you? Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, it won't hurt for me to miss a Sunday night service. It won't hurt for me to go ahead. You don't understand. I have a lot of willpower. I'm strong with my will. And I can go ahead and play with sin. And it'll be all right. But what might seem so right in your eyes is yet so wrong in the eyes of God. There was no king in the land of Israel. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's why a lot of folks are playing with the things of this world. Because they're doing what's right in their own eyes. No king, if you also notice, I believe here, there was no knowledge. It bothers me when I go to independent Baptist churches, and here it is, the teachers of the, uh, in the Sunday school classes, boy, they're just about as ignorant as ignorant can be with the Word of God. It bothers me here. I remember one time we was in a Sunday school class and they was really trying to find out if they really actually crossed across, went across the children of Israel on dry land or was it ankle-deep water. I didn't think anybody was that ignorant. I'm honest with you. I mean, when you read it in the Scriptures, it was dry land and they're trying to find out is that dry land or ankle-deep. It bothers me. Here, I believe the people of God are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You know why so many Christians look like the world? Here it is. They've never got into the Word of God. They don't know what the Word of God says. They have no idea of how to live, how to dress, how to do. And here it is. The people of God are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You say, well, Brother Aguiar, what if I hear a preacher preach something I've never heard before? Well, then take heed and listen. Oh, well, I was always told if I heard something I've never heard before, it's wrong. No, you're growing every day in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to have seen it the first time I heard a preacher preach that I was a sinner. It didn't go over too good. I thought he was crazy. I thought he was wrong. But you know what? I found he was right. First time I heard a preacher preach on certain issues and, and different things. Boy, I thought that preacher was crazy. I thought he was wrong. I thought that preacher didn't know what. But you know what I found out as I grow in the things of God? God begins to instruct me a little bit more. Here there was no knowledge and the people are destroyed. There's no knowledge with folks in the worship service. You know, we, we're living in a time when people have the wrong thought of what worship is. Could I say this? Worship is not emotions. You say, well, Brother Aguiar, I had a feeling in another church. Boy, I really felt good. The emotions was great. I mean, it was really good. Has it ever dawned on you to look in the Word of God and find out what true worship is? You know, I get excited every now and then when I do different things. My kids get excited when they do things, but that doesn't mean it's worship. Well, I had this feeling. You know, there's electrical plugs throughout this church. You know, if you put your finger on them, you'll get a feeling. But that doesn't mean it's godly. Here, if you notice, the people of God are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But I also noticed something else. There was no kinsman in the land of Moab. You say, what are you talking about? They got away from mama and dad. They got away from their aunts and uncles. They got away from their brothers and sisters. Many of you may have been over in Fort Polk, that's where our home church is, Cornerstone Baptist Church, there in Fort Polk, Leesville, New Lano area. 
And I, I'm disturbed every now and then when these different ones are away from all the family. And could I say Fort Polk is just as bad as Fort Hood? You got all the strip joints and all the other bars and all the other garbage that's around. And because mom and dad's not around to check on them and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and there's no friends that they know of, they go down and they begin to defile their bodies. No one's around to know about it. And I often wondered what was in the mind of Elimelech. Nobody's going to know that I'm over here. Nobody's going to see me. I don't have to worry about it getting back to, the, to all my folks. I don't have to worry. You know, it's all right. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to be all right. So here we notice they begin to depart. Elimelech, Naomi, the two sons, Milan and Chilion, they begin to depart from the house of bread. They begin to go over. Oh, the depart into the land of Moab, the dreams of Moab. But notice in verse number 5, we notice dying in the land of Moab. There in verse number 3, the Bible says Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left and her two sons. Could I say this? You can be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 6, verse 7, And be not deceived, uh, 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 for God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I want you to know the consequences of sin will come out. Brother Aguiar, nobody saw me do it, but the consequences of sin will come out. I want you to know it'll go begin to hit you. It'll go ahead. Some of you, it'll go ahead and follow you to the grave. Do you realize with me there's some things you can do in your life that will follow you all the way to the graveyard? Oh, I don't believe that, Brother Aguiar. I believe God can forgive me for any sin that I've done. He can and He will forgive sin. But there are some scars that'll stay with you. You say, I don't believe that. Imagine as a man, here it is, he goes out to the bar. He gets drunk. He is so much intoxicated that he falls into the ditch. As he falls there in the ditch, he's just barely able to do things. He's just barely able to even control parts of the body. And he finds there a knife. And with that knife, he takes and he cuts his hand off. He lay, he's laying there, blood's gushing out. Finally, somebody sees him, and they call the paramedics. The paramedics come. They put him in the ambulance. They take him to the hospital. Make a long story short, they have now taken and put, uh, sewed the hand up, not the hand, but made a knob there. And here it is. That man's now in the hospital recuperating. It's just amazing that he even lived. Just imagine if a preacher came by, gave him the Word of God, and the man got saved. Now, let me ask you a question. Can God forgive him for his sin? The answer is yes. But for the rest of his life, there'll be a scar found on his life. Could I say this and could I submit to you that God will forgive you for your sin? But there might be scars that'll stay with you all the way through the grave because of going to the land of Moab. The consequences of sin. I wonder, would it really be worth going to Moab for Naomi to look and see the coffin? Her two sons are standing there they're looking at their daddy. Here it is, no breath of life. He's now dead. Was it worth going to the land of Moab? Was it worth dying in the land of Moab? Was it worth dying outside the will of God? Was it worth it? Could I also say that sin will take you farther than you want to go? It will keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you want to pay? There in verse number 4, 
We notice here the two sons, they took them wives of the women of Moab. It's one thing here that someone has died now outside the will of God, but now those children are going to follow in the steps of what was left behind. Can I say this to you, mom and dads? Think with me. What about your children? Have you ever thought, is it worth going to Moab? What about that child? Here it is. They didn't go, and they didn't go back to Bethlehem, Judah, to find a wife. They found it of the women of Moab. You find out they had heathen gods. They had other practices. They had other beliefs. I, I could just imagine here as they went ahead and they got married, and here they're now uh, uh, newlyweds, and they're trying to figure out where do we go to church. You ever thought about it? Let me ask you something. You say you're an independent Baptist. You say you love the Lord, and you're thinking about marrying that heathen boy. That one that maybe is of another religion, another denomination. When you get married, what church are you going to go to? Oh, you're thinking about marrying that girl. You say, well, I'll go ahead and rule my house. What church are you going to go to? When the children, if there's children that's born, what are they going to be brought up as? Are they going to be brought up to know the true God, Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will they be brought up for something else? Could I say it affects your children on where you go? They married women of the land of Moab. You say, well, it'll work out. From what I can find in the Scriptures, a man by the name of Lot stayed around Abram. Abram was a godly man, had fellowship with God all the time. But here it is, Lot went ahead and there was a separation. Many of you remember the story. Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You read the Scripture, he pitched his tent towards that land showing that he was a part of it. Every day when they get up, the flaps would open. The first thing he saw was the land of Sodom. When they went to bed, the flaps were maybe left open for a breeze to come in. They just saw the lights of Sodom and Gomorrah. And sin will take you. Pretty soon he got so close, he's now sitting in the gate, the Bible says. From what I can find in the Scriptures, he went in single. And then he got married to a, a, a lady there in Sodom, from what I can find in the Scriptures. You say, well, Brother Aguirre, it worked out all right. The angels came out, and they took Lot and his wife and his daughters out. Everything worked out all right. You look at the daughters. Look at what took place later on with the daughters. Sin. You say, why? Because of going to the place that's outside the will of God. Consequences. If you notice in verse number 5, we find that the two sons now die. Boy, sin's horrible. Sin is horrible. Not only is there now a gravesite for Elimelech, but now right beside it there's the two sons, Milon and Chilion. There's the two other graves that's found there. I can imagine now the tears of Naomi are now flowing. I can imagine as she thought back there ten years ago how it was when they went ahead and left Bethlehem Judah and now it's come to this. Her husband, her two sons are now dead. And oh, I can imagine the heart that is now being broke. Why? Because of sin. If you notice here, Naomi now, in verse number 6, she hears that God has visited the people with given bread. Can I say this? There might be hard times, but if you stay in the will of God, God will continue to bless. Brother Aguiar, it's a little bit rough, but if you stay in the will of God, God will continue to bless. 
She heard how God blessed and given the people bread in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. I could imagine here, as she heard that, her heart begins to sink. She says, oh, I wish I didn't come to this place. I wish we would have never came. She's thought about the grave site, says she's going to have to leave now empty. She went ahead and many folks, uh, when she came back to the land, she said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, but call, it, call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty have dealt bitterly with me. Imagine as she begins to pack up to head out to Bethlehem, Judah. She gets the suitcase, whatever it may have been. She begins to put the few belongings that she has. And you know, there's two daughter-in-laws. You can't read the Scriptures. They get somewhat curious. I believe Naomi tells them. She said, I've sinned. I've went ahead and I've done things I ought not to do. I've went ahead and I shouldn't have even came here. She said it was outside the will of God. She says, but I'm getting back to the things of God. I'm going to turn my life around. I'm repenting and going back to the things of God. Could I say this? Something that's missing in many of our churches is this thought of repentance. I will say it is not penance, but repentance is necessary. Oh, you've been going your way. You've been going the way of the world. You've been living for the devil. You've been living your life for yourself. Hey, listen, you need to repent. You need to turn from your ways and get going back to God's ways. Repentance. I begin to notice here as she begins to tell him, I'm headed back. You know, there's two folks that's found here, Orpah and Ruth. They both think it's a good thought. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's all go. Yeah, Naomi, we're going to go with you. Uh, you know, it, it seems okay. Yeah, it seems like what you're doing is right. We're going to go with you. Just like so many other folks in our churches, they jump in on the ride. But they have not repented. They have not turned. They have not got to the spot where they want to get right with God. It just seems all right. You know, church people, if I go there, it'll help my family. And a lot of people come to get the family help. Well, the preacher can marry us later, or maybe he can go ahead and take care of us if we die. The, you know, all these different things. Yeah, church is a good place, and people come in, and it's all the wrong reason. They don't have a desire to serve God. They just want to blend in. Well, here it is. They begin to take off, and Naomi, she begins to look at these two young ladies. And she says, I don't have any more sons in my womb. She says, even if I got married tonight, even if I had a husband and had children, would you tarry so long for them? And she told them, why don't you go back to your ways? Go back to your land. Go back to your God. And if you notice here, Orpah, she went ahead. She realized there was no potential for her. Now, there's potential for any person to be saved. But Orpah was looking at today. She was looking at what can I get out of it? You know, if I come to this church, what can I get out of this? Ruth, she begins to look at something a little bit different. Orpah went back to her God. She went back to her way. She went back to her thing. But Ruth, she says, no, where you go, I'm going to go. Your people's going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. Where you die, I'm going to die. She says, Naomi, you have something and I want what you have. Could I ask you something? Do you have a life to where other people want what you have? Most people, when they look at you, they just see you as a normal person. Time won't allow me to go into it, but in the book of Exodus you find when God went ahead and met with Moses, the glory was so great that Moses' face began to light up. They put a veil over his face. Could I ask you something? Do you light up with the things of God in your life? 
There was something about Naomi, even though she was in the land of Moab, she got her heart right, and here people around begin to notice it. What do people notice in your life? Well, they don't notice anything. That's why they still tell the dirty jokes to you, and you still listen. That's why they still go ahead and say the things that they say. That's why they still do the thing. That's why you're still invited over to all the different parties that's so ungodly. Because what it is, you haven't went ahead and had a desire to leave the land of Moab. I could imagine here they begin to come in. Could I say Ruth was not saved at this point? Oh, well, she said, your God will be my God. Where you die, I'm going to die. Uh, uh, surely she got saved. That's not salvation. A lot of folks have that desire. A lot of folks said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. That doesn't mean they're going. You say, when did she get saved? Turn with me, if you will, to chapter number 4 of the book of Ruth. It's interesting, and I, I, I preach quite a bit out of the book of Ruth. Chapter number 2, it deals with her working in the field. And I'll say this, working in the field is not salvation. A lot of folks think if I could just work in the church, if I could just do things in the church, I can be saved. Hey, listen, you can work all your life and still miss heaven completely. Working in the field is not salvation. Well, if I could just get into the land of Bethlehem, Judah, then I'll be saved. No, you can come to church all you want and you can still miss heaven. Chapter number 3, it even deals a little bit more how God goes ahead and uses circumstances to even draw her closer and closer. But in chapter number 4, we find salvation. You say, what do you mean? Notice with me in chapter number 4, there was a near kinsman by the name of Boaz. And here, Boaz was very near. He was, the, he was one that could redeem, but there was another one that also could. But notice in chapter number 4, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom uh, he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit you down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsmen, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, sell a parcel of land, which is our brother Elimelech's. I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants, before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee. And I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Now here's an interesting thought. Boaz gets this near kinsman that's nearer than him. He says, Naomi has come back. Everything that she has, you can buy. And this kinsman began to think. He says, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to redeem it. Now, I begin to think about this kinsman. Who was it? He was nearer than Boaz. I believe this kinsman represented the law. You say, what do you mean? The law was used in many ways in your life and my life. It was not used to save us. But the law was necessary for you and I. You say, why? Because we had to come to a spot we realized that we were lost and hell-bound. I had not known sin except that the law says, Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do this. I knew nothing of sin until the law says, If you do this, you will be punished. And I believe this kinsman was the law. And the law said, all right, I'll redeem it. But if you notice in verse number 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must also buy it of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. He says, listen, what you're going to have to do, if you redeem it, you're going to have to also take Ruth as your wife. Now wait a minute, Ruth has a problem. 
She's a heathen. She's of, a, of another land. She's of another religion. She's of another God. Here it is. I mean, she, she was considered as a dog. The, the Moabites was considered dogs to the Jews. And here he says, if you're going to redeem it, you also have to take Ruth. And he says something there in verse number 6. The kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. To be honest, the law could not take me because I was a sinner. The law could not take you. It could not save you because you're a sinner. The law said the soul that sins, it shall die. The law says the wages of sin is death. You say, well, Brother Aguiar, I'm not that big of a sinner. If you've kept the whole law yet offended in one point, the Bible says you're guilty of it all. The law cannot save you. Well, I've kept Ten Commandments. The law cannot save you. Well, Brother Aguilar, I've been pretty good. I haven't been murdered. I, I, could I say this? You was born in sin and you're a sinner. Do you realize with me the way God looks at sin is totally different from the way we look at it? We look at this little white lie. Oh, this, you know, uh, you just have to excuse him. God looks at sin as sin. The time you sold this cookie from the cookie jar was just as much sin as murder in the eyes of God. The law said, I can't do it. I'll mar my inheritance. And if you notice with me in verse number 6, here it is. He said, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Notice in verse number 7. Now, this was a matter in former times in Israel. Notice concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Notice what is redemption? If you can get the picture here in Ruth chapter 4, what is redemption? It was when he went ahead. He says, I can't redeem it. You go ahead, Boaz, and do it. And Boaz says, all right, uh, go ahead and take off your shoe. And he took off that shoe because in order to go ahead and confirm all the changes and for this redemption to take place, he took the shoe of that one that was worn, the shoe that was faded, the shoe that was no good, the shoe that was stinking. And here it is, he gave it to Boaz. And when Boaz took what was stinking, when Boaz took what was uh, wrong, when Boaz took what was worn out, he took that and was able to redeem Ruth by the grace of God. Think with me for a moment. In order for Christ to redeem us, he took what was stinking. He took what was worn. He took what was faded. He took what was wore out. And oh, He redeemed us by the grace of God. I could just imagine the great day when He went up to Ruth and He had the shoe in His hand and He says, You're now my wife. Could you imagine what a glory that was? Just to think that the Lord Jesus, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Could I ask you a question? Is it worth going to Moab? Is it worth leaving the things of God? Is it worth getting away from the house of bread and going to the place of God's watch spot? Could I say this? Sin is a horrible thought. I would rather die in the perfect will of God than to die in the land of Moab outside the will of God. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Is it worth going to Moab? Could I also encourage those of you that might not know the Lord Jesus? Could I say He took what was stinking, your sin. 
He took what was worn. He took what was faded. And today He offers you eternal life. He redeemed you. He's willing to go ahead and take your sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgression. John saw Him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You say, Brother Aguiar, I'm a horrible person. Brother Aguiar, you don't know what I've done in my life. Jesus said, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He made a promise to you. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. He said, Come, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as no, though they be red like crimson, they'll be as wool. Could I say this morning, He offers you eternal life. Will you come to know the Savior that loved you and died for you? Will you come to know redemption the way Ruth knew it? Christians, is it worth going to the land of Moab? Could I say this? It's not worth the land of Moab. Would you go ahead and do like Naomi and turn today Sin will keep you. She stayed there ten years. I often wondered if she would have left within nine months, eight months, if today the family, or at that time if the family could have came out together. But she stayed in the land of Moab. Let me encourage you. Let's leave the land of Moab.